You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Josh Raley, and this is episode number nine. Today, I'm going to share with you a few things that are new to me this year, uh, what I'm doing right now in the middle of August to get ready for the season, uh, as well as my overall season strategy. But before we dive in, I want to say a big thank you to all of you who listen to this podcast. Over the last few weeks, uh, things with the podcast really seem to be picking up steam. I've heard a lot of encouraging feedback from you guys. It's been really great to hear from all of you who have found this co- this podcast to be a helpful resource. If you haven't already, connect with us on Instagram. That's the primary way I connect with listeners of the show. You can follow us on there. Also follow us on Apple Music or wherever you access this podcast. Leave us a review. That helps a lot. It ex- helps extend our reach. Uh, and speaking of extending our reach, if you've enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend you think uh, that maybe they would dig it too. Uh, we can do all sorts of things to grow this podcast. But the number one thing is if you guys share this podcast with other like-minded sportsmen and women. Now with that out of the way, uh, it's time to talk deer hunting. I don't know about you, but I am absolutely pumped for deer season to be here. Uh, based on my season last year, I have some pretty high expectations. I didn't get a deer last year, but I had some wonderful, wonderful encounters. Had a great first year hunting here in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, my wife tells me not to get my hopes up or I may be setting myself up for failure. She's probably right, but I can't help but be excited. So uh, can't be help can't help but be pumped to get into the timber and uh, chase my passion of hunting whitetails. So uh, on the whitetail front, I've been hard at work since last season. Uh, been trying to prep to prep and get ready for 2021. Uh, one of the things that I have been doing uh, here lately is an absolute ton of work around my house. When we uh, moved to Wisconsin about 18 months ago, we bought a home in an area with a pretty hot housing market. And we actually had to put an offer on a home solely based on listing pictures. 
we got to the home. Uh, my, the first time my wife was able to see the home was actually the day that we did our final walkthrough, the evening before we were set to close on it. And my wife finally had the courage to share what we were both feeling on the inside. I don't really like it that much. We, uh, we had just finished renovating our home in Louisiana, and uh, it was a tough trend to transition to a home that was uh, going to need a lot of work to fit our style and uh, to work for our family. So I've been hard at work, uh, and I think uh, we're almost where we need to be. Now, this is important. You ask, why, why does this matter for a hunting podcast? Uh, well, this is important heading into hunting season so that I'm not trying to balance home projects with my already busy schedule and family life and work and other responsibilities. So Heading into deer season, I am all caught up, almost, on my honeydew list. My wife is certainly overly gracious when it comes to letting me get out and spend time doing what I love to do, and hopefully having everything at home in order will help her feel loved and supported even when I'm out in the woods. So for those of you planning to spend lots of time out in the woods this year, treat your spouse right, get your stuff done around the house, take care of them, make them feel loved before season gets here, that way it's just a little bit easier when you go in and you make that request, uh, honey, you mind if I get out and go hunting this weekend? It's a lot easier for them to say yes when they feel supported. So that's just tip number one uh, and what I've been working towards here lately. Next thing that I've been doing uh, or that I've done to get ready for this deer season is to find a few new properties to hunt, both public and private. Now, I've made it a personal goal of mine to check out one new piece of land to hunt every year, whether a public piece or a private piece. And I do this because, you know, public pieces, private pieces, they can be great one year, not so great the next year. Also, I pretty much plan to lose a piece of property here and there, mostly on the private side, whether it's somebody who comes in to lease the property or now a family member has started hunting. For some reason, I'm going to lose properties every now and then. So I want to keep adding to my, uh, let's say my toolkit, you could say, Uh, of properties that I've got to hunt. This year I was able to find another solid piece of public and get permission from a farmer. Uh, On the public land side of things, I scouted a few new places back in late winter, early spring, and I returned to those that seemed the most promising. And I I think this is going to be a big payoff for me this year, especially in the early season. The primary property I hunted last year uh, was planted in uh, soybeans all the way around. Uh, Now, this year, it is planted entirely in corn, so the deer pictures have been tough to come by this summer, and glassing has basically been a no-go on this property. Uh, To make things worse, the acorn crop there this year is pretty abysmal. There aren't a lot of oaks there anyway, uh, but the ones that are there have not produced well this year. So the corn and the lack of acorns uh, is going to make hunting this place tough. One of the new properties I scouted this year is another story. So this property has a nice strip of white oaks that are absolutely covered up in acorns, like saggy branches loaded with acorns. Uh, and even better, this little strip of oaks leads right out to a bean field that is surrounded by a cornfield. Now this should be an early season hot spot. If nothing else, I should be able to get a doe on the ground in there. So Really looking forward to hunting that place. And uh, this situation just goes to show that it's always good to have options. The great thing about hunting public land is you aren't limited to one specific property. You know, if things look bleak on one property, move over to the next one and the next one and the next one until you find whatever it is that you're looking for. Now, I know deer love acorns and soybeans, and so that's what I'm going to be focusing on in the early season. I was also able to pick up permission on a new piece of private ground this year, 
it's roughly 100 acres. Uh, it's also planted in corn, so there's no real way to do any long-range glassing, but it's going to be a great spot once the corn comes out, and it's going to provide me with some good opportunities for rifle season this year. Now, I love to bow hunt, but if I can tip the odds in my favor by picking up a boomstick, I certainly will do it. The only catch is I don't really like hunting public lands during rifle season. Uh, and on this point, I have to confess, it, it's not you, uh, the public out there. It's me. I love rifle hunting. I love that Wisconsin has a strong rifle season or gun season tradition. But I don't really want to be tromping around on a piece of public ground where we all have rifles and we aren't really sure where each other is. Uh, we're not really sure um, the direction that each other is facing. We really don't even know how many people are in the woods. And so I plan to spend rifle season on this little piece of private land once uh, gun season rolls around. Now, speaking of weapons, the next thing I'm doing to get ready for the season is shooting my new bow. Now, I've mentioned this on previous episodes, but last year, this is kind of embarrassing to say, I actually missed five deer. That's right, five deer. Three bucks and two does. All the hard work that I did to put myself in the right situation on five different occasions turned up a big goose egg for me. And after that, I just had zero confidence in my setup anymore. Uh, I had never really felt comfortable shooting the old bow anyway. Uh, it didn't fit me particularly well. It was about 12 years old, so it was definitely time for an upgrade. And uh, after an absolute ton of research, I decided to try out a new-to-me 2019 Matthews TX-5. And I've been super, super happy with the way this thing shoots uh, in getting it set up, I found out that my draw length had been set too long on the previous bow, so I'm sure that had uh, a big impact on my accuracy. You know, I was never really accurate with that bow out past, say, 45, 50 yards. Um, with this new bow, I'm driving tacks at those different at those distances, so uh, definitely makes a big difference there. The TX-5 is also a good bit heavier than my previous bow, uh, probably about a pound heavier. And you may think, why in the world would you want a heavier bow? But for me, the heavier bow just holds better. I'm able to settle in on the target and just let the pins float without feeling like I have to you know, force the shot or without feeling like I've got a lot of unnecessary movement going on there. Now, uh, along with this new bow, I had some new arrows made up for me. I went with a much heavier arrow this year with about a 17% FOC or front of center. And these things are like heat-seeking missiles. Uh, heavy arrows are kind of the fad thing out there right now. Uh, but this is one fad that I think is worth you paying attention to if you bow hunt. Now, I get a lot of uh, a lot less noise from my bow because more energy is able to be transferred into the arrow. Um, shooting is just more fun because it, the heavier arrows cut down on the amount of hand shock that you experience. And to be honest, I'm just more accurate with them. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why that is. I don't know if heavy, area, heavy arrows are just more accurate because of the way that they're built. I don't really care. Whatever it is, I'm more accurate with these arrows. And the penetration is absolutely unbelievable. They uh, penetrate almost too far into my target. It makes pulling them out of pain, but uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they perform in the field this year. You know, they're sort of the plan B arrows. If you can stand watching uh, Ranch Ferry videos on YouTube for a little while, the guy's got a lot of good stuff to say. Uh, so these are the plan B area, area the, the plan B arrows for hitting deer. Uh, sometimes you don't always hit them where you want to hit them. And these can uh, break through bone. They can uh, have enough um, 
penetration to get through uh, the, a deer, uh, maybe it's quartering hard to you or quartering hard away from you, you can have confidence with a heavier setup that you're going to be able to make it all the way through that deer. Also on the gear front, I've been practicing quite a bit with my tree saddle. I'm using the one stick climbing method this year. If you don't know what that is, you can find 20,000 videos on it on YouTube right now. Uh, probably half of them are decent. Uh, maybe 10 of them are really good. So, uh, But basically, with the one stick method, you use one climbing stick to get to your hunting height. Now, you couple this with some rappel equipment, and you're able to get into and out of any tree you want to super quick. And all you have to carry into the woods with you is a climbing stick that weighs less than two pounds and some rope. The one stick method is certainly not immediately easy, so I have been doing a lot of practice. And once you get the hang of it, I think it's much easier than trying to carry three sticks into the woods, hang three sticks, uh, and dangle them from you or however you want to try to get them up into the tree, making multiple trips, whatever that looks like. It's just a lot easier. Uh, and it's certainly easier to pack in and easier to pack out. So uh, it's also, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, a ton of fun to repel out of a tree when you're done hunting. So you kind of feel like Batman coming down. So uh, I think it's going to be worth a shot. Anyway, enough about gear. Uh, now I want to talk hunting strategy for this season. Now, I am not an expert hunter. I am far from an expert. I'm far from a professional. Uh, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night, and I kind of feel like I got this thing on lock at this point. Uh, no, actually, um, I've been working really hard over the last year or so, two years maybe, to try to up my public land hunting game. Uh, and so one of the things that I wanted to do with this season was to get my strategy sort of all in one place, all in writing, uh, in your case, all on one podcast. So they kind of have a plan for the year. I don't feel like I'm flying by the seat of my pants as the year goes on and uh, hold myself accountable a little bit to not just hunting places that are easy or hunting places that are convenient, but hunting the plan that I think is going to serve me well to getting me in close proximity to the animals that I am chasing. So uh, anyway, this year I've uh, checked my trail cameras recently, and uh, I was really, really disappointed. I've, uh, I've got a lot of does, got a few decent two-year-olds that I would definitely shoot. Uh, only one nicer caliber deer. He's probably about 130 inches, 135 inches or so, uh, but very sparse pictures of him, not a lot of intel. Uh, he's a really, really nice deer. I really hope I can catch up with him. He's certainly bigger than anything that I've ever killed. Uh, but my hopes were pretty high, given that this time last year I had multiple deer that would have gone into the 150s on camera. So I don't have that this year, but that's okay. Uh, with that being said, though, I don't have a ton of actionable intel from my cameras right now that I can act on early in the season. Now, it's early yet. It's only August. I know October and November are going to heat up. Uh, but this year, I plan to be super, super mobile. Now, last year, um, I hunted really mobile. I'm not, I don't think I hunted out of the same tree twice. Um, I know I hunted like a morning and an evening in the same tree, but I never returned on multiple days to the same tree. I was always bouncing around, even if it was only a 20 or 30 yard move, I was still making lots of moves. And, you know, mobile hunting is sort of all the rage these days and people talk a lot about it, but I, I've got to be honest with you. I saw my encounters with deer in general and bucks in particular go way, way up when I started mobile hunting. Now that term gets thrown around 
quite a bit these days, and uh, lots of folks do it a little bit differently, but I think I found a rhythm that I like and that makes hunting more of an adventure for me. What I did last year was I uh, often headed into spots almost always in the afternoon and slowly and quietly hunted my way in, uh, almost like I was still hunting. I would go in with a, an end destination in mind, uh, a lot of times something I'd picked off of a map, off of Onyx or something like that, uh, and I'm going in blind to spots I've never been to before, and I would scout my way in. And I would set up on the first good concentration of fresh sign that I found. Now, uh, fresh concentration of sign is going to vary depending on where you're, uh, where you're at, the deer density on your property, all sorts of things. But basically, I was looking for the first spot that made me think, you know, if I had to bet money on it, I'd bet a deer will move through here this evening. So, uh, I'd go into a spot looking for sign, and if I didn't see what I wanted, I would just keep on moving. And that's sort of the secret to mobile hunting is having the confidence um, to to keep moving, having the confidence to say, I'm not settling for an okay spot. I'm looking for the best spot. And if I don't set up anywhere, that's okay. Uh, in fact, I had one occasion last year that uh, I never found what I was looking for. So I counted the time as a scouting trip. I crossed that area off and I went home for the day counted it as a success. And I think that's better off than spending my afternoon in a tree uh, wondering what's over the next hill and wondering if I'm even in a decent spot and then going home empty-handed. So another time uh, that I was trying to hunt mobile last year, I went into an area, canoed two miles down a creek, got to the spot I wanted to be, and I didn't find what I wanted. So uh, I hopped in my canoe, I paddled the rest of the way out, ended up getting out of my canoe stopping at an access trail there, walked a mile and a quarter down this access trail. Uh, then once the boot tracks ended, the deer sign really started to pick up. And uh, I got to an area uh, with a scrape on a field edge. I followed a trail coming out of the woods with big tracks, walked into the woods probably 50 yards, climbed a tree, only had an hour of daylight left. And at that point, I'm feeling a ton of pressure, thinking, why am I even in here? Why bother? Why don't I just leave? Uh, but I climbed the tree anyway. And almost immediately, I was covered up in deer. I had does and fawns all around me. I ended up having an encounter with a nice buck that evening. He uh, hung up about 45 yards away, milled around, made a couple scrapes, but it was an awesome, awesome hunt. Uh, so if you, all that to say, if you want to be successful hunting mobile, you've got to commit to the process. It would have been easy for me to canoe into that place and figure, well, I've canoed in here at this point, therefore I'm going to climb this tree and this is a tree that I'm sitting in. Um, but I would have missed out. I would have missed out on seeing all those deer. I would have missed out on a great encounter with a nice buck. Uh, and so you can't settle. Don't settle for okay sign. Don't burn an evening. If you have to feel like you're burning an evening, at least burn it on scouting, doing something where you actually learn something about the deer you're after, learn something about the property that you're hunting. You know, if you just stop at any random tree and decide, you know what, good enough, you really don't learn anything doing that. You learn way more by continuing to scout your way in. Uh, if you find something you like, you have a good starting point for the next day. If you don't, cross that area off, move on, maybe come back to it later in the year. So that's a big picture strategy for the season. Uh, I'm going to stay mobile until I get burned on that style of hunting because, you know, to be honest, it's just a lot more fun. I feel like a kid exploring in the woods it sort of returned a lot of the enjoyment uh, that I get out of hunting. Now I want to talk a little bit about strategy specifically for different stages of the season. Uh, I wanted to share with this with all of you, maybe 
you can pick something up from this uh, that you can use. Maybe you can think, uh, maybe you think something that I'm going to do is a bad idea. You can let me know. Shoot me a message on Instagram. Remember, I'm new to Wisconsin. Really don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm doing my best to figure it out. So if you think, man, this guy's got it backwards, let me know. Let me know, right? Shoot me a message. Say, hey, do this instead. Either way, I wanted to organize my thoughts for how I'm going to tackle this season because uh, a key word for me this year is intentional. I want to be absolutely lethal this year. I don't want to blow opportunities. I don't want to miss opportunities. I don't want to be sitting in the wrong place wasting my time. I want to be stealthy. I don't want to uh, you know, waste time hunting okay spots when the best spots are out there waiting to be found, right? And uh, I don't want to end up sitting places because they're convenient. I want to hunt the best places during the best time frame, and I want to get some deer on the ground. So I'm just going to move through sort of my strategy for the year uh, based off of um, different parts of the season. Our bow opener this year is September 18th. Uh, September 18th will find me 20 feet up in a patch of white oaks between bedding and a soybean field. Uh, specifically, I'm going to try to hunt the very first oak trees closest to the bedding area. As I said earlier, the primary place uh, that I hunted last year uh, is, is all in corn this year, uh, but there are beans planted in close proximity to at least one of the new spots that I picked up uh, that I can hunt, and I'm going to be positioned on the bedding side of a little finger of oaks on that property as the season moves on, once the acorns are all gone, I plan to switch to hunting some preferred browse areas. Last year, I really keyed in on acorns and ag as food sources, but between the time when the acorns dried up and the scrapes really started to open up, I saw a big lull of activity, and I noticed that that's when I was also seeing a lot of deer from the road, or uh, as I was walking in and out, deer were in areas um, that I wouldn't normally see them. When I'd go over there and check it out, I would see lots of natural browse sign. Now, you know, I'm no expert on plant species, but last year I did start to recognize a few things that uh, anytime I found the plant, I could guarantee I was going to see a uh, sign of browse pressure. So uh, during this time, uh, you know, maybe it's the September, I don't know, September 25th or late September on into the first week and a half or so of October, maybe the first two weeks of October. Now, during that time, I plan to hunt tight to bedding areas, overlooking those areas with lots of plant diversity where I find evidence of significant browse pressure. Now, not long after that, the, uh, the scrapes should start to open up mid to late October, and I'll switch over to hunting the most active scrape areas, again, tight to bedding. Uh, I've never been a, much of a scrape hunter in the past, but I had a lot of really good action last year. Uh, got a lot of really uh, a high number, really of uh, daylight pictures on scrapes and uh, of the scrapes that I had cameras on last year that October 20th to October 26th time frame uh, is when I really saw a lot of bucks hitting scrapes in the daylight mostly in the evening uh, which uh, kind of surprised me you know I expected a little bit more morning activity but it was pretty consistent across the board you know that that time frame that week October 20th through October 26th I saw an absolute ton of uh, bucks showing up on my cameras last year. Then as we turn the page to November, I'm going to be uh, in your traditional rut places, right? Downwind of bedding, going to be hunting pitch points, that kind of stuff. Uh, nothing really novel there. But one thing I did differently last year that uh, actually brought me some success was to, to rethink the way I view pit, 
pinch points during the rut. Now, we're all used to hunting those pinch points that are created by habitat. Maybe it's where a creek comes close to a harvested crop field with only a little strip of timber in between, or maybe it's a saddle and a ridge, or whatever it is. But last year, I decided to hunt the pinch points, if you will, between hunting pressure. I took a map of the hunting property and marked all the areas where I knew other hunters were accessing. Then I marked off the entire access trail and anything within 100 yards or so of that trail to the left and to the right, and then 100 yards off the end of the trail. Lots of folks will say that they like to hunt deep on public land, you know, like to be a mile in, that kind of stuff. And while that might be true, I think a lot of folks are sticking to within 100 yards of an access trail. Yeah, they may have walked in a mile deep, but they're not walking far off the trail. Now, on the property that I hunted last year, there's access coming in from multiple different directions. And when I marked off the area within 100 yards of each of those access trails, I noticed that there was a small strip of timber that I was reasonably sure most hunters were not going to make it to. And in the middle of this strip was an area of about 20 acres or so in size uh, that was just really, really thick. And uh, I went in there, and sure enough, that place was absolutely shredded with sign. I had uh, encounters with several mature bucks moving through the area, basically sticking to the little sliver of timber that I had identified on the map. So uh, I'm not sure if that makes sense to you the way I'm explaining it, uh, sort of the weakness of an audio podcast show. Um, I would post a picture on Instagram, but then I have a feeling I would have a few visitors uh, in my hunting locations this year, so not going to do that, but... Uh, Anyway, try that out this year. Think about pinch points created by hunting pressure. Give that a shot and let me know how you do with that. Uh, As we move into and through November, we're going to be getting into gun season. I'll be posted up on what I hope will be a recently harvested cornfield, at least recently enough for some corn to be left in the field, uh, where I can see a long ways. Now, uh, I'm not too excited to hunt any of my public spots during gun season, but Who knows, if I'm still on the deer, still seeing rutting activity, I may end up giving it a shot anyway. Then we hit the months of December and January, and I have to say, I don't have a clue what I'm doing when it comes to hunting in the late season. Things at work usually ramp up that time of year, so I have very little time to be in the woods between all the holiday festivities, family stuff, work. Uh, I'm sure I'll be trying to key in on some uh, food somewhere of some sort. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, If you have some pointers, though, on hunting lake season, uh, message me on Instagram. And hey, if you have a lot of success during hunting in the late late season, let me know. I'd love to have you on the show. Love to have you on the podcast. If if late season is your jam, let me know. Send me some pictures of some deer you've killed. I'd love to talk to you about them and how you got them down in in, uh, in the late season. Now, Coming from the Deep South, our season ends just as the rut is starting to wind down. Uh, So, for instance, where I hunted in Alabama, um, our rut was sort of the very end of January and into the first 10 days of February. So we actually uh, would have a lot of luck on those days between February 4th and February 7th. The season ended on February 10th, so there never really was this uh, emphasis on hunting late season. So I don't know what I'm doing with late season. So if you know what you're doing... Let me know. So that's it. My 2021 hunting strategy in a nutshell. It feels pretty good to get that game plan all laid out so I can uh, at least feel like I have my act together heading into the season. Uh, Now, what am I doing in the meantime? 
until the season starts, I'm going to be putting in lots of practice with my gear. I'm going to be shooting. I'm going to be climbing trees. I'm going to be climbing trees and shooting from the trees so that I'm doing some real life practice. I'm going to be practicing with my cameras. I plan to self-film this year, which is going to be totally new to me. And I really don't want my gear or my setup to cost me a deer. So I'm going to spend a lot of time practicing. Also going to spend a lot of time with my family, doing stuff around the house for my wife, bank some of those very precious brownie points. We've all been there. Something comes up that you need to do or you've been busy at work and so you haven't had a lot of time with the kids or the spouse, but you see that cold front coming on October 27th and you know it has the potential to be a really special day in the woods. So you have to make the ask. Now, my wife will say, yeah, you can go 99% of the time. But I want to make it as easy on her and the kids as possible. That starts now by making sure I'm putting in time where it really counts. So uh, for those of you who are married or have kids, your first responsibility is to your family. Be a good husband. Be a good wife. Be a good mom. Be a good dad. Put in the work now. Deer hunting can wait. Yes, I'll say it on a podcast. Deer hunting is not the most important thing in life. But with all that said, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, I had a few more topics I wanted to cover, but there will be future episodes for that. So thanks so much for listening to this episode, listening to me ramble on. Let me know what you thought. Uh, Leave us a review, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation podcast network so you can be sure to catch this podcast and all sorts of other relevant outdoor content. Connect with us on Instagram. One of my favorite things to do these days is connect with listeners. So I hope to hear from you. Uh, Share this episode and any of our past episodes that will go a long way toward helping me grow this thing and helping me be able to keep on keeping on for the long haul. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Until then, get outside and enjoy all the opportunities and the amazing resource that is ours as Wisconsin sportsmen. Sportsman.